Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 53 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. This is pretty exciting because 53 means we are officially into our second year. And so today I've got a special guest. His name is Alex. Alex is from Oxford in the UK, and he runs a headhunting company and also works as an actor and does voiceover work. So welcome, Alex. Hi, Jen. How are you? I am doing great. I hope that you're also doing well. Yes. Well, greetings from a wet and rainy Britain. I I understand it's quite warm over where where you are. It is. We're recording this early in the month, and it is still in the 90s, which is... I did the math. It's like 33.8 degrees. Do you say centigrade or Celsius? We are centigrade. Okay. Okay. We call it Celsius. We just can't do anything the same way. (laughs) Yeah. Anything anything above 18 Celsius in the UK and basically things start to shut down. So we wouldn't be able to cope with your heat, unfortunately. It's pretty hot for October, but the cool down is on the way. We know it's coming. When the night starts getting dark earlier, we know it's going to happen. I say we got the the next thing we've got is the trick-or-treaters. Right, right. Which we seem to have learned from you guys. Yeah, we we sure do love our trick-or-treating. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then after that... It'll be Christmas everywhere. It's already in the stores. Do y'all start having Christmas displays in all the stores really early? Oh, it's it's everywhere already. Just there's signs like reserve your table at this pub, and you know Christmas is around the corner, and you know surprise your relatives for Christmas. So you know it's just an endless. The season is is beginning earlier and earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, there you go, there you go. 
Well, anyway, it's really good to have you here today. And as you know, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and and when was that? So tell us a little bit about your story. I first heard about like an eating window, if you like, about probably about five or six years ago, because my my brother basically adopted it. And he was doing this. He said, oh, yeah, all I do is I eat what I like in a five hour eating window every day. And I kind of thought, well, I'm supposed to be eating like eight meals a day and keeping your metabolism going, that sort of thing, and (laughs) blah, 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 blah. He lost weight on it. And I think at the time, there wasn't the same sort of critical mass about the whole idea of intermittent fasting that there is now. So I kind of looked at it, well, yeah, okay, works for him. And I I sort of tried it half-heartedly for about a week and uh, thought, no, I can't do this. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining my metabolism. I kind of gave up. And I sort of parked it for a bit. But I am somebody that, I mean, I played a lot of rugby at school and, uh, and at college. So I've, I've always been quite a big guy. and I've always been very active. And then I started realizing, and I'm, well, I'm 47 now. I started realizing probably a couple of years ago that I'm, I can't, I just, I can't out train my diet choices because I'm a, I think I wrote it down actually. What am I? I class myself as a, a volume opportunistic omnivore. Oh, I love that. And you know what? I think that describes me too. <laughs> I like volume that yeah. I can't eat a little bit, you know, like the dainty little women you see eating this tiny little, no, I need no. a big meal. So no. I get it. <laughs> and, and I basically, you know, uh, I'm terrible for walking to the kitchen. And if there's basically something lying around, you know, my hand just goes out and grabs it. And basically it could be, it could be pretty much anything. So being a grazer all the time. And I would think, well, that, you know, I'll go out on the bike, I'll go out to the gym, I'll play some squash, you know, I'll do some weights, I'll burn it off, burn it off, no problem, no problem. And then you just can't. And, and I think I kept trying to kid myself. And then eventually it just starts creeping up. And it slowly, slowly creeps up and then slowly, slowly the trousers get a bit tighter and then slowly, slowly found myself going clothes shopping. Whereas before I'd go to the trousers section, I'm, you know, I'm a big guy. So I was used to kind of digging around the back of the trouser bit, you know, where the trousers hang on the rail because yeah, that's where the bigger sizes are. But it was getting to the point now where I was kind of hitting the biggest sizes. And in fact, I was having to sort of actually submerge myself into the clothes rail to go right to the back of the thing. I thought, Christ, if I go any further through these clothes, I'm going to end up in Narnia. <laughs> I said, all right, Aslan, you got these in a 42? Oh, so, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I just thought, oh, no, this is, you know. But because I'm self-employed and because I kind of work for myself and I started losing a little bit of accountability for stuff, you know, because you think, well... I spend most of my day in my shorts. I see my friends at the weekend, but, you know, they don't mind and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. The, the inner saboteur was always on my shoulder, I think, just saying, ah, don't worry about it. Have a snack. Have a beer. Don't worry about it. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it is easy to, to kind of push it off, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you get, you're like, yeah, it's no big deal. You know, I had stretchy clothes when I got up to my heaviest I wore a lot of stretchy things. And so you can kind of lie to yourself. Yeah, yeah. That you're not really that big. You know, it's not that bad. I remember one of my friends said to me, he'd read some article that apparently uh, when blokes get to 45, they just stop caring. Doesn't bother, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, you've you've got the kids, you've got the house. It's kind of, you've been in your prime. It's time to kick back, get your fat pants on and get the cakes out. That dad bod, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the dad so bod. I was kind of sitting into all that and thinking, well, maybe it's just not for me. Maybe I'm just going to be a big guy, you know, big guy. I've even got a chef's hat with big guy on it. Honestly, and the thing I liked about your book, which I downloaded, was the fact that you had tried all these different things. You did all the stuff. And I, I've tried stuff as well. I've tried leaving food groups out i've tried these weird like milkshake things it all got tedious looking at calories and counting calories and you know i think i honestly i'm, I'm terrible at that so i lasted about probably 
I think the longest I last about two weeks. And by the end of it, you just think, I can't do this. It's, it's just killing me. And I've, and I've spent a lot of money on the way on stuff like, you know, programs, regimes, blah, 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 blah. And I just, oh God. Yeah, I would do that. I would throw everything away that was like not compliant and like clear everything out and then buy all the special stuff. Yeah. It yeah. was gonna be like my special diet. Yeah. And then like a week later I'm like, this is this is nonsense. Let's yeah. go get pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember one particular low point. I was making a I was making a I think this is popular in America actually. I, I was making an egg white only omelet and it was Probably the Ugh. most tasteless thing I've ever eaten. Rubbery. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just sort of pushing it around the plate with my forks, thinking, just eat it and just get it done. You know, and I think you can't live like you love like that. It's a nightmare. You know what? To be honest, about, I think about last Christmas, I hit it pretty hard in terms of taking people out for client drinks, and, you know, meeting people socially. Cause the, in Britain, the run up to, Chris, probably the same with you guys. The run up to Christmas is like people start getting a bit happier. It's nearly Christmas. Go out for a few drinks, get for some food. Mince pies are always lying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I got to, I got to New Year's, I got to New Year's Eve, and I hit my heaviest I, I'd ever been. I was about 118 kilograms. I don't know what that is in pounds, but it's about double, I think. It is in America. That would be 260 pounds. Right. Okay. So. I remember just standing on the scales thinking, okay, that's that's like, I can see where this is going. Nothing really fitted anymore, my clothes. And I thought, oh, okay, I've got to do something about this. So, so one thing that had worked a little bit for me was going ketogenic, the ketogenic diet. So just cutting out bread and pasta and potatoes and all that stuff, all the stuff I really like. Right. I was thinking, thinking, right, okay. You know, I did throw myself into it. You can get these, I mean, you can basically make anything ketogenically if you want to. You can make bread ketogenically. You can make desserts ketogenically, but they're not the same. They're not. No. Have you seen that, that joke? It's like a meme and it's like, I think it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. And they say, can you make this out of cauliflower? (laughs) People are trying. (laughs) Yeah. So I made some things that were, you know, I mean, basically the best ketogenic thing that I think you can have is bacon and eggs pretty much. And that's nice. And I was doing it for a bit and, and I, and I was, I was, I was getting some results. I was getting my head round cauliflower, which I used to hate, but I sort of was doing some stuff to it. You know, I was kind of frying it in cumin and grating some cheddar over it, and it was kind of working. And the trouble is, my wife and my my two kids and the dog, and it's like, not so much a dog actually, but you're having to make separate food from everybody else, and it starts to become tedious for them because it's like, oh yeah, are you having this or not? You know, are you going to be eating this? Can you eat this? And you make these kind of ketogenic kind of desserts and stuff and the kids try them and think, oh God, you know, it's just this weird xylitol stuff. And I probably wasn't doing it right. That's probably my problem, but it was getting harder and harder to maintain this kind of ketogenic diet that my, the rest of my family weren't on. So things started slipping. You go out for a bite to eat. You think, oh, there's nothing on it. It's really you know, I don't want salad. I'm going to have steak and chips. So I'm going to have steak and chips. And then after a while, things start to slip. So I thought, well, where's this going? And then, so I, I go and see a chiropractor who doesn't do the kind of traditional kind of crunching thing. You know, um, he does a thing called network spinal analysis. And it's this thing where you basically lie on your front and he just, he sort of applies pressure, but very gently to parts of your neck and spine and it's to do with aligning your your spinal cord and your brain and making sure that the basically all the channels are clear to the rest of your body so that your body's kind of functioning as it should do the nervous system is functioning as it should do and he basically said because i was talking about this now sick of this ketogenic diet you know i'm trying to lose some weight blah 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 and he said have you ever watched anything by jason fung i said no and he said right i'll send you the video and um I watched this, it was like a 15-minute episode of him talking to an Australian medical council about the concept of, of fasting. And it was so simple what he was describing. 
I think the summary of it was summary of it was you've got a fridge freezer full of food and you've got a fridge full of food. What do you do when you want to go eat something quickly? You go to the fridge. Easy, open it up, easy, have something to eat. When you get hungry again, go back to the fridge, easy. You only go to the freezer when you've got to take stuff out and you've got to thaw it and you've got to wait and you've got to, and it takes a bit more time. And he so said, what you do is when you're fasting is your fat is your freezer and your glycogen levels is your fridge, basically. Right. I love that analogy. It is such a great one. Yeah. So use up what's in the fridge. Then you start using up what's in the freezer. And I thought that really resonated with me. And I thought, actually, okay, that, that makes sense. And it's... It's, it's perfectly logical that the human body has adapted over the whatever, how many hundreds of thousands of years to carry a bit of extra reserves in case there's a famine or you've got a, but not so much that you can't get away from a, somebody that's trying to chase you or if you're trying to catch something that you want to kill and eat. I watch loads of his videos online, there's loads on YouTube of him giving lectures about it. And and also, I've got friends that have got diabetes, type 2 diabetes. And he was just basically, I just really love the idea of if you give your body a bit of a break to do some housekeeping, it will sort itself out because the body is very, very resilient. It's had to be to evolve over the times of before there were shops and central heating and cars and all that sort of stuff when you basically had to, you had to work out how to survive. And that's just the thing that we're not doing anymore, right? We're not giving the body a break. You said early in the conversation you were eating eight times a day to keep the metabolism stoked. And so the body literally, it's you're not just going to the fridge, you're standing at the fridge all day long. It's nightmare. I mean, before I had my before I had my office, I was I used to work for my kitchen. That was a nightmare, I tell you. I'd be like I'd be at the fridge every ten minutes probably. I wouldn't even be hungry, but I'd open it, look at it shut the door, maybe give the fridge a second chance, open the door again, see what else is in there, <laughs> yeah. you know. I remember thinking, like, when was the last time I was actually hungry? I actually thought, this food tastes amazing, you know, like, instead of just sort of shoveling it in whilst you're looking at your mobile or whatever. So that was the turning point watching those Jason Fung videos. That was what made you think, I'm going to try this. I, I thought oh, that makes a lot of sense. It just made, it just made so much sense. I was going to, I made a note of this, like I read your delayed don't deny book and, and I just thought, and also I read the Bert Herring book as well that you recommended, which was, I, I come on to as well, because I just thought it's such an elegant solution to a whole load of problems that I think we are facing at the moment with, well, I was facing anyway with regards to just this gradual mission creep of sort of weight gain, you know, it just stop, just stop. Don't do it. I perfectly understood that if I didn't eat for 16 hours, I would not die. I would be fine. I'll be, it'll be a bit weird to begin with, and it was. And it's not easy because if it was easy, everybody would do it, wouldn't they? Right. You know, there's still a lot of it is mental. Yep. Sometimes I find myself looking at the clock thinking, mm, could I go ahead and open my window? Just because eating is still fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And once I realized that actually, you know what, the human body has worked out how to live without food for 12 to 16 hours. And also, and this is the other thing I'll come on to later, I don't know, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put it in here now. I started examining my relationship with types of food, specifically sugar, because I was probably eating sugar every day in some form because it's, it's in everything. It's in everything. Unless you make stuff from scratch, and even then you might want to put some sugar in it, unless you make stuff from scratch, there is sugar in nearly everything on, in a packet. I was shocked. I don't, have you ever watched that film? It's called That Sugar Film. I have. I have watched right, that. Yes. Right. It's been a while, but I have. Yeah. Actually, I watched it with my kids because I wanted my kids to watch it because I, I think it's important for them to understand the amount of sugar that's in everything. How it's everywhere. Like in how much of it it is. It's a lot. You expect it to be in kind of cakes and sauces, and like tomato sauce and that sort of thing. But I've seen it in like tin soup, pasta sauce. What else did I see it in something the other day? 
guacamole. There was something, some guacamole that I'd bought. Oh, that's crazy. It kind of made me examine a bit more about what sugar does as well to the the sort of physiology. Because like, I think it was, I think it was the Bert Herring book where he said 200 years ago, sugar wasn't part of the diet at all. It wasn't part of a, it wasn't part of a, uh, I mean, it was considered a, like a luxury item to have sugar. You know, you didn't, you certainly didn't have it every day in the morning with your cereal, you know, in the morning cereals are loaded with it, orange juices loaded with it, you know, jam and all that sort of thing. And then you have it in something in lunch and then then dinner. Start to think, actually, I'm probably eating a lot, uh, uh, far too much sugar. And I really started, I got some proper nasty withdrawals from not having sugar. So when you switched over, you were doing keto and did you jump right into intermittent fasting at that time? Was it January when you also talked to the chiropractor? When was that? How long had you done the keto? Yeah. So I started doing the keto in January. I think towards the end of February, you know, I was starting to kind of just, you know, I was starting to fade with it a bit. Then something happened that actually it was probably a it's probably one of the worst things, but one of the best things as well. It was one of the best things. So as you mentioned at the start, I, I, I'm i an actor as well. So I do voiceover and stuff like that. I hadn't done any acting work for quite a while just because I've got some family stuff and I need to be around for, you know, that sort of thing. But my agent rang me up and he said, look, there's this gig that's come up and I think you'd be spot on for it. So I thought, okay, the, you know, the money was good. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go and audition for it. I got the job. And they sent me the script and I was basically a dad in two episodes of this new mini series coming out and it's going to be on Amazon and stuff. And, you know, it's like really exciting. I was reading the scripts and in the second episode, I was required to be in my swimming costume for the whole episode. Oh. <laughs> and my heart just sank. I just thought, oh my, if there's anything I would have wanted least it's a job where I'm in my swimming costume for a whole episode. And it was like, okay, we have to reset everything because I was basically booked to go to, I was booked for filming in June. So this was March. The film dates were for June. I thought, right, I've got March, April, May, June. I've got, I've got three months to sort myself out. I read the obesity code. And I started listening to your podcasts and read Herring's book. And yeah, it was amazing. Having that, that nailed on target for June was, was a real, I was laser focused on that. That makes sense. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired 
on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So when you were when you were starting off with the intermittent fasting, did you stick to kind of like a five-hour window? And did you just eat everything at first? Because I know you mentioned cutting out sugar. Was that early in the process or later? So I, I would say I was carb conscious more than keto just because I've gone 19 hours without eating anything. And, and I've done some exercise, so it's okay. Do you know what I mean? It's okay. And I think, I, I think, so the, I think the thing that struck me was firstly, when I realized that it's not a calorie is not a calorie, as in like, you know, 10 calories of broccoli is not the same as 10 calories of sugar. Your body reacts differently to those two things. Whereas I think there's still a very strong school of thought is, is that you should only have 1500 calories a day if you want to lose weight. It doesn't matter if that's the gin and tonic and a ham sandwich or a big thing of salads and vegetables and quinoa or whatever. I think once I realized that it's it's okay to have a mixed diet, it's difficult to restrict, you know, and, and doing the intermittent fasting, I was finding that hard enough as it was. And I think to also try and pile on the strict ketogenic thing you've got to be careful because you can set yourself up to fail if you if you if you give yourself two bigger things to take on so i just thought right don't try and boil the ocean just do bucket at a time bucket at a time yeah i think that's a really important lesson don't try to do everything my friend who's got diabetes he he keeps trying to do these things where you know he won't eat for a week which is at the end of it, he just crashes badly and he just, he, he goes back to how it was. And, and I think, I think if you set yourself too high a thing and you crash and burn and fail and you go back to the old way, it almost reinforces it even stronger to go back to that lifestyle because it's such an enormous relief and source of comfort when you dive back into that food that you were eating because it makes you feel so good in an instant that it, I think it reinforces it. So I think it's, I think that I thought, right, okay, if you're going to do 19 hours a day, don't go through kind of two kilograms of Doritos when you're opening your window. Make a smoothie or have some bacon and eggs, just, you know, ease yourself into it. It was really working. It was really working. And I don't want to kind of sound too evangelical about it, but this has changed how I just do everything. So it's, and it's made a real difference. But Another thing that really stuck with me was when Bert Herring wrote in his book, like, if you look at the entire living world, right, everything has, like, so animals in, the, in, in kind of African desert or whatever, African savannah, every animal has a bit of fat on it, but not too much to slow it down from running away from something or trying to catch something. And they all have a natural level that all the animals tend to stick around. There's not like some that are really fat and some that, you know, unless they're starving to death, there will be some that are really skinny. But, you know, they max out at a normal size for their species. Yeah. And I think his analogy was it's like, basically, it's like a little thermometer, which governs how much you need to eat. You know, you eat to a point, the thermometer gets to the level and you think, okay, I've, that's enough. I'm going to stop. But unfortunately, humans, the thermometer is slightly out. And not for everybody, for, for people, you know, I know people that are perfectly slim and whatever and, you know, they eat whatever and they're fine, but I'm not like that. And I thought, okay, so something's out, something's slightly out. And then he kind of, you know, he describes that obviously the way we live our lives is very different to how an animal lives its life. There were lots of mitigating factors there, like, you know, how we work late and how we eat a lot of processed stuff. And, and I, I think, I think the key for me was how much processed food I'm eating. I've done a little experiment because like Jason Fung says, you are the experiment, you know, N equals one. And I did a little experiment just to go back to the filming thing. So I, I, I so when I, when I actually went filming, I think I got away with it. I think I was okay. I put on clothes that weren't fitting me and they all just fit on me. Like it was fine. And I 
stood in front of the mirror with my top off and thought, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I, I, you know, I did press ups every day and stuff like that. So I, I, I think, I think I got away with it, but the joy of putting stuff on it that I couldn't fit into that I hadn't, I hadn't worn for like five years was something else. I, I just thought, Oh my goodness, these trousers. Fit. In fact, I need a belt for these trousers because in January of this year, when I was 118 kilos on that on that scale, I just thought I'm. I just thought I'm doomed. You know, this is it. This is this is just it. I, I just this is basically how it's going to be. To be able to step back and release some of that weight was brilliant. How much did you lose overall? So now at the moment, uh, and I've put some on actually to be honest, because I came back from filming. Once I'd finished filming, it was like, uh, okay you know my 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 target thing had gone (laughs) (laughs) it's just like yeah i'll have some i'll have some cake don't need to worry about it anymore so i got down to 102 kilos so 60 i dropped 16 kilos which is actually the other day i went to the pet food shop because i had to get some food they got these big sacks of dog food that that was were were sick 15 kilos and i picked one up and thought my god I've i've lost that that's incredible so I'm trying to do the math here. So that was, you went from, in America, about 260 pounds down to 225. Right. Okay. So about 35 pounds. And I know I've listened to your podcasts and I know there are people that have lost like a lot more than that. And that, that, is, that is amazing. And seeing the pictures on your Facebook feed, uh, on, on the web, the Facebook page, it, it is incredible because it just seems like, like I said before, it's such an elegant solution to what people think is a catastrophically unbel- you know, impossible thing to solve. Everywhere you go now, there's food. Like everywhere you go. You can't – you go to the garage to fill up with petrol or gas, I think as you guys call it, um, and uh, <laughs> you go and go – the, and the place is awash with food. Oh, yeah. I mean in like everything you could imagine. Do you want a hot dog? Do you – I mean do you all eat hot dogs? What do you call them? Do you have hot – yeah, we call them hot dogs, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they have hot dogs. They have pizza, you know, all the fancy coffees. You can add all your creamer and stuff and literally potato chips everywhere. And, yeah. It's, it's everything. And, and, you know, if you're going on a long drive, I'm, I, I used to do this all the time. I'd fill up the tank, go into the, go into the garage, and I'd pick my, drive, my, my driving snack selection. Plenty of coffees. Diet soda, also you know, diet cokes, that sort of thing. Because you know, diet coke's fine, isn't it? It's no calories. You know, it's easy. It's easy. Right? Yeah, we all bought into yeah, that one. Yeah. <laughs> so since then, I've probably put on about three kilos. But I, I was trying a little experiment because I wanted to see in my eating window what would happen if I just eat, go back to my old habits, but just within the five hours. So I, I just ate. I started eating a lot of packet stuff, making a lot of cakes with flour and sugar and butter and stuff like that, and probably eating too much of it. I just found that I found the weight has crept up a little bit because there's something in having refined food. I think the body can't. I think it's it's almost too much. You know, it's, the the body just goes into this kind of emergency mode where it's just the right. You know, even if you're, even well, for me anyway. And, and 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 this goes back to what you said as well. These things are individual. There's no pre-described plan that you have to follow rigidly. You've got to work out for yourself what works and what doesn't work. So for me, I mean, I, I'm good at packing it away. Um, and because I was so you know physically active, I thought, well, that's fine. It's fine. But I found that. The older I'm getting, I can't still pack away the cakes and the crisps and all that sort of thing. Right. Those processed foods. You know, both Fung and Herring talk about, you know, in the Obesity Code and in the Appetite Correction book, they talk about processed foods and how our bodies don't respond well to those. And Fung has a quote that I, I really like. He says, the poison is in the processing. Right. Yeah. You know, people mistakenly think that he thinks everybody should be, you know, low carb and he doesn't. But although he does put, you know, his diabetic patients and his sickest patients onto the the low carb style of eating to help them lower their insulin more quickly. But he's like, you know, foods from nature, people have been eating these foods for thousands of years, you know, vegetables, even potatoes, things like that, whole foods, real foods. But when you take that potato and you 
slice it thin and mash it up and make a, a potato chip out of it, fried in these, you know, industrial oils, that's real different. Yeah, that, that really struck a chord with me because I thought, like, so bread, for instance, like I'm half Serbian, right? So like we grew up with like bread. If you had bread, like the Serb, there's a Serbian phrase, I think, like if you've got bread in the house, you're okay. You know what I mean? It's like bread was like a central thing. I was thinking about bread because I thought, I really like bread, but you know, the, the whole, this kind of school of thought that like bread's really bad for you and it's really bad. But I think the difference being that when bread was made, say, 50 years ago, if you make your own bread, I think that's different because you put, what, flour, salt, yeast, you, you, have, to, you have to knead it, you've got to put calories into kneading it and you have to nurture it and then you have to let it rise. And Are you familiar with my adventures in bread making? You've actually got me onto buying sourdough from the baker now <laughs> as opposed to just the normal stuff in a packet because I looked at the ingredients on a on on, on I, I deliberately bought the cheapest loaf of white bread I could get from the supermarket you can't even pronounce them no and I thought I caught oh my goodness look at all the look at all the ingredients in here and like I don't know what they are and and I'm and you're eating that I'm thinking well does the body know what to do with that stuff? No, it does not. <laughs> right. And so thinking, well, I'm not going to eat that. But if I'm going to eat, if I really want some bread and I'm going to get some, I'll go, I'll go to the local bakery and I'll buy the sourdough stuff that goes off after a day probably. But it's, I know it's been made with fewer ingredients and I'll get some nice butter and I'll get some cheese and I'll enjoy it. And, and, and I will... I will enjoy the flavors and enjoy the the experience of eating. And I think that's the, this, the, here we go, tangent again. This is the thing about, it really struck me about your book was that we're only here once, aren't we? Like, I would hate to look back on my life and think, oh, all that time I spent being miserable about food choices I'd made or hadn't made. And, and I'm thinking, you know what? Just enjoy it. When I say to myself, just enjoy it, it's not stuff yourself with cakes and sweets. It's if you want to have a cake, have it. But have a high quality yeah. cake or the best cake you can find. You know, back to the bread. I grind my own wheat into flour now. I'm like milling it. You know, I have a grain mill. And so I start with the whole grains of the wheat, put it into the wheat mill, out comes whole grain flour. You know, none of the parts have been stripped away. And so, you know, every three days I make a new batch. And so it's it's just part of the rhythm of my life now. But, you know, I enjoy that bread so much more. You know, we're only here once. I want to eat the best possible bread that I can eat. And if someone gave me an ultra processed white bread roll, I'd be like, yeah. Have you got one of those donkeys that walks around in a circle crushing the stone? Like, <laughs> No, this one's electric. Ah, right, okay. so if the zombie apocalypse hit and there was no electricity, I'd be in trouble because I... <laughs> I, I do it. I don't do it by hand. It's electric, but yeah. Well, you'd be all right probably with the with the cheap white bread because that stuff doesn't rot. I don't think that's true. It would still be around. In it. <laughs> I did this experiment where I just thought, right, I'll, I'll have all the biscuits I want. In fact, I'll have more biscuits than I want. I'll just I'll go through half a packet because that's what I used to do, and I'll keep eating even though I don't feel particularly hungry, just because it's my window and let's see what happens. So. I have found I put a bit of weight on. Also, I probably I do like a glass of wine and a and a pint of beer, which I think Right, me too. I like I like my glass of wine. The trouble is, Jin, I'm I'm one of these people that once I start climbing the mountain, I'm not very good at coming back down again. So like my 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 wife, she can just have a, she can have a glass of wine. It'll last you know the whole evening. She's pretty good like that. Whereas I probably once I've had the first glass, it's kind of well that was nice. Maybe I'll have a second one, and then um, maybe I'll have a third one. And if it's Friday, you know I've probably finished the bottle off. To be honest, yeah, it's harder to stop. I get it. No, no, it is. So and and I kind of I'm a little bit like that with a lot of things in my life. Like we're having the house renovated. And I've been putting off kind of clearing all the stuff out from all the rooms. But once I start, then I don't stop. I don't know if the, if the fasting thing as well. One thing I've got much better at is clearing out just clutter. I do a lot of clutter clearing now. It feels good, right? 
Yeah, much to the annoyance of my other half because she's now complaining that I'm chucking too much stuff out. I want clean surfaces and the bare minimum. I realise kind of, you know, this story about these, these, um, these sort of Tibetan monks who they have no possessions. They've, got, they've just got no possessions whatsoever. And, I've, and I'm starting to think, wow, how spiritually kind of light must they feel, you know, having no stuff. We have got a lot of stuff in our house, you know, drawers full of sort of foreign currency, batteries and pens. Right. Just junk that you've kept. We just moved from one house to another house. And, you know, I got to touch every bit of my junk <laughs> personally, you know, all of it. And it, I got rid of as much as I could. Although I have to be careful, just like your wife is like, don't throw that away. That's my husband. You know, I have to like secretly throw things away when he's not looking, like in the neighbor's trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was not like that before I started doing this fast, this way of life, this fasting. Because I think there's something about, you know, when you're in a permanently sort of fed state, you've had breakfast, you have your snack about 11, you have lunch about 1 have a slump snack at three, get home at five, pick at something, eat at about seven. Your digestive system is so overworked all the time. You can't really, you don't really want to do anything else. It's like you're sleepwalking through the day. And, and I've just found I've, I just want to do more stuff. Like I, in fact, I, I'm, I've even bought a new desk for my office where you can actually stand up at it. So it's got a handle. You can like, if you, you can, you can raise it up to like, you know, waist height so you can actually stand up. And even, even just doing that, standing kind of engages a few of the more muscles than, than before. And And you have so much energy that it feels good to stand up rather than sitting. Like you just have to go do something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably a slightly maybe hindrance, but is that I am a, I am now just a, a fidget. I cannot sit still. I'm not very good at sitting still and just watching TV unless I'm having a glass of wine, in, the, in which case I'm very happy just to st- sit there and keep, keep something <laughs> up. But if I'm, not, if I'm not having a glass of wine, I'm, I've got to go out and do something, go to the gym. One thing, I've got a black Labrador and we'll go for long walks, which I, which I absolutely love. And that's the other thing, exercise, right? I've always loved doing exercise because of the way it makes me feel. But I am an inherently lazy person and I think – I think the thing that really struck me as well that I read it, Jason Fung, I think Bert Herring touched on it, was if there's something you like doing, then do it. Don't think you have to go to spin class or you have to go to circuit training or you have to go and lift weights in some steroid-enhanced gym or whatever and make yourself miserable doing exercise. If you like going for long walks or swimming, anything you like doing, you should do it because you, you've got more of a chance of, keep, of, of keeping that going than forcing yourself to go to the gym. I, mean, I personally find gyms just mindless because it, I just, I just, you know, I love going walking, I love cycling and I love swimming because it just makes me feel, you're just, you're just using your, your instrument, aren't you? Your body is an instrument and you're using it. Yeah, I feel the same way about the gym. And I, you know, I tried really hard. I don't know if you heard me talk about it on on my podcast. I tried to go to the gym early in 2019. I started in late 2018, started going, I was doing Pilates and I tried a bunch of exercise classes and, you know, I really liked the people and it was interesting. And then I got so bored, even though the class was different every time I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) And instead I'd rather scrub the, the bathroom you know, and have a nice clean bathroom. And that's, that's physical activity. I'd rather polish the silver, stay active that way. I gave myself a little target every day. So like at the beginning of the year, I hadn't done any exercise for a while. And I thought, right, how many push-ups can I do? And I think I could do about, I could do like, I, I did 10 and it was like, I was struggling. I thought, this is pathetic. I really, I thought, right, okay, every morning I'm going to get up and I'm going to do, I'm going to do five push-ups whilst the shower is getting warm. I'm just going to get on that. I'm just going to do five. That's all, five. And I, and I did that every day, just, just five. And then after, I think, two weeks, I thought, right, I'll do six. And then uh, now I'm up to 46. So it's, I mean, I'm getting a bit, I'm getting a bit, I, sometimes I don't feel like doing it because it's quite an effort. But for me, it was like, I've tried to do things like f- at full tilt straight away. But I think... What I've learned, what I've had to, what I've had to understand is, start by doing the five push-ups a day. Have two cups of water a day, 
and I never used to drink any water. I used to drink Diet Coke all the time. Just have two cups of water every day. Delete, delete five emails every day. Just little, little things, just little things and, and get them to be a habit. Because basically, it's, and it's taken me probably 47 years to realize that nothing changes if nothing changes, which sounds sort of obvious, really, I know, but I, th- I think I've only just kind of worked that out. Right. And, but you don't have to try to change it all at once, which I love. You do a little bit, a little bit here. Like with someone starting off with intermittent fasting, don't try to do, you know, like someone will come into the groups. They're like, I read the book. I'm so excited. I'm going to start with one meal a day and tomorrow I'm going to have a one hour window. I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> don't start there. Ease in, change a little. I think that would be really difficult if you are somebody that, you know, you're eating all day, whatever. And well, for me, I think the first couple of weeks was like, I had to use a lot of distraction techniques, go out for a walk, do something other than be near the kitchen because I was quite ready to demolish what, whatever was in front of me. It's probably took me a good 20 years to get to this size. You're not going to lose it in two months. You have to kind of be kind to yourself. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now I have a question for you. You said your brother first mentioned intermittent fasting to you five or six years ago. Did he stick with it? He did for about a year and he looks incredible on it. He looks really good. But I think it's it's a bit like going for a run or doing exercise. Once you get used to doing it, it's not as difficult. But I think there are reasons, there are all sorts of reasons to not do it. And it can be easy to not do it. I think that's the other thing for me anyway. I could probably not do it if I didn't put my mind to it and just eat because sometimes I miss breakfast cereal. Sometimes I miss a big bowl of muesli in the morning. Sometimes I, and I know I can have it later on if I wanted to, but I guess it's maintaining that focus like, nope, I'll have it at two o'clock. Nope, I'll have it at two o'clock. I say he, 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 he stopped after a bit and he put it back on. The thing that helps me maintain it is whenever I take a day off for a special occasion, I had a brunch that I went to on Sunday of this week. It was at a hotel and it was a really high quality brunch and it was definitely worth eating. So I opened my window at the brunch. I probably ate at nine in the morning, which is very early for me. And on the way home in the car, I was like needing a nap. Luckily, I was not driving. <laughs> <laughs> my husband was driving, but I needed a nap. And I, I like took a little nap at like 11 in the morning. I'm napping. And then the whole rest of the day, my thoughts were consumed with food, whereas they aren't usually. So that's what keeps me living the intermittent fasting lifestyle. You know, how I feel when I don't do it. We went on holiday to an all-inclusive for four days. And that was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And my God, did I get my money's worth? I tell you, but but it, it did not bring out the best in me. I have to say, Jen, because each meal involved probably about three or four trips up to the enormous array of food that was available, and it was all amazing and delicious, and you could have as much of it as you liked. And there was probably four different cuisines there. And at the end of the day, I would just, I I'd, I would feel almost ill from the amount I'd eaten. After those four days, I said, I said to my mother, I said, 
I'm having a break. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm not going to eat tomorrow. I'm just not going to eat tomorrow. Six months ago, that, that would have been like an alien concept, but now it's like, it's okay. It's fine. It feels good to get back to the fasting. You're like, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Totally. This is it for me. I cannot see why I would not choose to live this way because it's, it's a very elegant solution. There's no, you don't buy anything. You don't have to do anything. You just don't eat and you just drink water. And I've, you've converted me to black coffee and the, the nitro thing. I hate black coffee. I could not drink black coffee, but my taste buds have changed. And I, I know I, I'm gassing on here, but two things that I want to, I got a black coffee the other day and I was drinking it thinking, oh, the woman's put milk in it by accident. And I opened it up and she hadn't. You're just so used to it. Yeah. That was a real revelation for me. And fizzy water has now become my Diet Coke. I have a San Pellegrino right here beside me now. Yeah. I've got something similar where it's, uh, yeah, it's a, like a local, but it's transformed. It's changed how I taste stuff. And I, I had some Oreos that I shouldn't, maybe, you know, other biscuits are available, but I had some Oreos at a friend's house and they tasted weirdly chemical. And that was a first for me. That was a first. So stuff, so stuff is changing. Things are happening. And it's quite exciting. It really is. Now, we are out of time. I have just really so enjoyed talking to you. But before we go, one last thing I always like to ask, what advice would you give someone just starting off? Or what do you wish you knew when you began in like 60 seconds or less? Take it steady. Be kind to yourself. Start with an eight-hour window and and eat well in that eight-hour window. Don't expect miracles to happen overnight. They don't. If you fall off the wagon, you can't do it, don't worry about it. Tomorrow's another day. Just get up, try again the next day. Have a look at your Delay Don't Deny book. Look at the videos that Jason Fung talks about fasting and read the Burt Herring book because they are all simple, easy to understand, and they all just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I think so too. And after reading both the Appetite Correction book and the Obesity Code, I was inspired to add more real foods, more high-quality foods to my diet, and it really made a difference and just the way you feel. So you're back to now eating more of the high quality foods. Yeah. Um, last few days, I've just been eating food that is not processed. It doesn't come out of a packet. I've just, you know, and, and it just stabilizes the, the hunger pangs. You don't get the kind of lurches of sort of agonizing hunger where you've got to eat something immediately. It just things just stabilize and it's just, it's very freeing and liberating. It really is. Well, on that note, Alex, I would like to say thank you for talking to me today and I will see you around. Thanks, Jen. Thank you very much for your time. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.